A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player-signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. It's Halloween, and who knows what dread and terrible evil may intrude upon our vision on this deadly night. What is it, Darren O'Day? What have you seen? Hello, welcome to this very spooky version of the Square Ball podcast recorded on Halloween. Uh, we would have been here yesterday for reasons I am about to explain, but in the meantime, I'll say hello from me. Hello from Michael. Hello. Hello from Moscowite. Hello. Nice of you to join us. And hello from Oddie. Hello. Yes, we would have been in yesterday, but we were one man down, weren't we? We started getting a little bit worried about Moscowite because he didn't show up straight after the game. We all jumped in the mystery machine. Straight after Ellen Road, got down here, and uh, no sign of Moscow. Where were you? Um, I was at home. What, you want more specific than that? Yeah, I was. I was in bed. Um, I was. I was I had a touch of the Darren O'Days around the time he went off the pitch. In fact, it's like a sympathy headache. And um, yes, I'd, I'd been unwell that morning, and decided to have a, a, a little lie down and then recover. Whose stupid idea was it to have a pod on a Sunday afternoon? Anywho, it was a ridiculous notion that was never going to work. That, that was your idea, wasn't it? Well, and when did I last have a good idea that was worth listening to? This is a fair point. Yeah, so I think I'm absolved of any responsibility. So, yeah, you we should have known. It's probably worth saying for the listener that we all jumped in the, in Oddie's car and we drove up to your house and started ringing your non-functioning doorbell and yeah. banging on your door. And ringing your phone. Yeah, phone phone was in, um, Constantly. in the other room, um, so I couldn't hear it. And, yes, my doorbell isn't plugged in. Well, because I live in um, an attic... Some would call it a garret. Um, <laughs> and so you knocking on the door again, it's kind of pointless. And, you, you know, it's not like uh, like love-lost teenagers. You wouldn't have been able to throw any gravel at my window or anything you live like in an that. Attic. Was... Are you Anne Frank? <laughs> no. Uh, well, we popped round, didn't we? The lady in the flat downstairs actually was a little bit alarmed when uh, Michael started shimming up the drone pipe. But, you know, shame he didn't answer the, uh, the roof window. We did also look like unsuccessful doggers sat in the car park for a couple of hours. A woman got out and got into her car at one stage. I don't think she was having any of it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I even bothered taking the clothes off. Anyway, we're here now, which is good news. Everything's uh, fine, yes. So I'm very sorry. I apologise. It won't happen again. Um, it, it probably will happen your, your, again. Your admirers on Twitter, were, I think, were getting a little bit worried. You're safe and well now. Yeah. 
for now. Um, first things first then, brand new issue of the Square Ball magazine is out. It went out on sale against Cardiff. That's issue four. I will turn initially to you, Oddie. Um, you took care of one of the cover stories, which was the interview with Tony Dorigo. Sell it to us. It's an interview with Tony Dorigo. <laughs> <laughs> A phone interview I did with Tony last weekend, which the man can talk. I think two questions in, we were about 1,200 words, I think so. <laughs> but yeah, really lovely guy. Quite a few stories that didn't make the mag, which we might drop in at some point later on. And if he's up in Leeds, he said he'll come and have a chat with us again. So we might be able to get him on the podcast. We could take him to the walkabout in and, and buy him Fosters. Make him feel at home. Indeed. And Moscow White, right, tell us about your your epic, your your magnum opus, I think we'll call it. It's not that long. Um, 5,300 5, words. Considering the original was... 1500 words longer but my editor is very severe yeah it's a little bit of a look back into the history of a man called ken bates who we're all familiar with now and so i suppose his history is kind of related to our our present um and it's always been a bit of a, a gap um in his his business past of what exactly went on in the british virgin islands because it was known that he went out there and started the leisure development and then there was um a, a few objections and the British government had to bail him out. And that's pretty much been the story as known. But through some filmmakers, Andrea and Amanda Wilson, in um, the British Virgin Islands, made a documentary about what actually happened and the man who made it happen, a man called Noel Lloyd, who uh, a essentially... Was he a dissident? <laughs> you could call him a dissident. You could definitely call him a sick pot. I wouldn't call him a moron. And the... Uh, he cottoned onto the true scale of what um, Ken Bates was attempting over there, which was he had he was renting an island the size of Manhattan for thirty thousand dollars a year. So he had eight thousand acres for thirty thousand dollars a year at a time when land was fetching one hundred sixty thousand dollars per acre. So you could see he was getting it cheap, and um, he wasn't leaving much left for um, the natives. And No Lloyd, being um, uh, the kind of man he was, and this being nineteen sixty eight when. Um, if you weren't happy, then you you did something about it. Um, he did something about it, and the, the story is in the square ball. It's really, really fascinating story. My dad described it as a bit too highbrow for a football fanzine, but I, I reject that notion. I think it's brilliant. It's just a damn good story, I think. It's a story that's not been told before. No Lloyd's part in them. Um, and Ken Bates is really it, the true part of what he was up to and what he was attempting to build. Um, it's just not really been revealed before. It is now. And that issue of the magazine will be on sale against Blackpool, where it's expected to sell out. You can also get hold of it via the shop online in either digital or paper format via the squareball.net. And we would love to hear from you also. Give us an email at podcast at the squareball.net. You can find us on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter. So let's do white watching then, gents. First game, a white wash. Fantastic. We handed their asses to them on a plate. Doncaster Rovers nil, Leeds United three. We didn't want their asses anyway. Could have been a lot more as well. When it got to three, we had a couple more minutes of trying to score, then went, they've had enough. Leave them now, lads. It was like junior football, where the manager takes off the best players. You think it was maybe a bit of sympathy for Naylor? So we can't do this to him. It will break the man. There was a fantastic um, analogy I saw. It may have been on Twitter, I think, in the post-match reaction and likened when Tom Lees rose like a salmon above Richard Naylor and slammed in that header. It was like the Lion King, the circle of life. Young dominates old, a new generation. 
and a song probably by Elton John. I don't know. Good. I liked it anyway. He loves winning headers, does Tom Lee. We all of a sudden look really dangerous from set pieces. He can't get enough of them. It's um, uh, Lees and Pugh, every single corner, getting up there. Waldham's not scoring with his We've, we've been crap at corners forever, mm. as far as I can remember. What, attacking or defending? Both. 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 <laughs> Defending, I suppose, you notice a bit more because they score. You don't expect to score off every corner. but It's true that we don't, or until this game, seem to have ever just have a straightforward corner crossed in, someone sticks in a free header. We don't do that anymore, do we? Well, Gary Speed's retired. That's the main problem. Mm. That used to be the tactic. So that tactic expired circa 1993, four-ish, yeah. It's still the last good time we were good at corners. But um, it's good. Um, Lees is, is looking really well in all these games. Since you told Grayson to move him to the centre of defence. Yes, it was good advice. I'm glad it was listened to. Connolly's return as well has, uh, has also shored things up at the back. And uh, with the best goalkeeper in... Oh. <laughs> yeah, Lonergan. His fingers bust, isn't it? I mean, hopefully he'll be back in just a couple of hours, maybe a few days at worst. And Cut it off and let him play on. He's got nine more, hasn't he? I mean, Exactly. How many do you need? It'll be fine. Surely you just, you just mould, I mean, maybe there's something in the laws of the game, you just mould mold the glove. No, like if, the, if we said last time, if they can glue Barry Bannon's foot back together, you can pop his finger back on. Tony Iommi lost a finger and then went on to be guitarist in Black Sabbath. I don't know what Lonergan's complaining about. And he almost, he, he almost played on, so it can't have been that bad. And then we're like, oh, well, we may as well just give Rahul Kirk, because it's 3-0, give him a few minutes, and then and then it'll be fine. But... But no, but no. Yeah, we'll come mm. on to that. Right, then on to Coventry on the Tuesday that followed that Friday night TV match. One all, uh, should have been a win. We just failed to close it out. We should have been going in two or three up. Then, I don't know. I don't know what happened. We just seemed to lose our rhythm, then made substitutions that didn't work at all. They actually made it worse, I would say. But that said, we should still have won. <laughs> well, Darren O'Day, he's going to be good, isn't he? Look at that. He scored a goal in this game. I think he could score some more. Pretty solid player, attacking-wise, anyway. Yeah, It's worth saying, we did defend really well, even though the things that went wrong in this game were that the midfield weren't keeping the ball and wasn't sticking up front in the second half. But defensively, we were actually very solid and we should have got the points still. Off the back of that, had um, Rahubka not just dropped the cross directly at someone's feet. It is annoying because Coventry are terrible and to not have got a home win over them is seriously disappointing especially having played reasonably well in the first half. But then the more it went on, the more you started to think, mm, They had no. a couple of chances late on as well, and you just knew it was coming. It's what we call the Leeds United factor. That's right. And yeah. I missed the goal because uh, in a rush to get off, I thought I'd nip down when the ball went dead, watch it on the monitors in the, on the concourse. But the time I got down the stairs, they scored. You just banged your head against the wall. <laughs> <Pretty> much, <yeah. laughs> just kicked some small children around me. Not again. Yeah. I thought the... Put the restraining order in place about that. Anyway, um, yeah, quick word for Rahubka. That was a bloody awful thing. It, it was a, a double blow because first he did that and then like 10 minutes later in the aftermath interviews, Grayson, obviously the first question is, when's your good goalkeeper back? And he was like, well, uh, yeah, about that. Um, bit of a problem. A bit of a problem there. It doesn't look good. Well, keepers have those games. They're always liable to drop one out of Moving on to Peterborough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, indeed. On to Peterborough. Uh, Oh, end-to-end stuff. Michael, you were there. We discussed your train-based antics, the moving pub, on the last podcast. So fill us in with the story. It was a moving pub on the way back. It was lovely. Uh, First class. What? Was that through choice? Well, the the rest of the time... Aren't aren't you a, a Yorkshireman? And I hope you don't take an insult when I say this, but you're quite tight. I didn't pay for and it. And you're scum. 
I, yeah. There was the train arrived and it was empty. Um, everyone piled into the normal bit, and I thought well, we're not going to get a seat on there. We're going first class. Might get kicked out. Were you drunk? Tiny bit. Okay. But the, so everyone else did the same and piled in. So got a seat. But then the whole carriage was lined with other Leeds fans. And there was, <laughs> you could see one or two people who obviously have been down, maybe down to London for a nice weekend, see family. They thought, we'll pay the, we'll pay the extra. It'll be worth it. <laughs> we'll get away from the rabble. Yeah. And then they had me drinking red wine from a teacup. <laughs> so they, uh, at least it was red wine and it was like Mad Dog 2020 or something like that. I'd been to the shop and there was no fridges and I thought, I don't really want warm beer. So I thought, well, I'll bottle of red wine. Well, yeah, what's nice at room temperature. Exactly. That was my thinking. How um, very, what a very middle class away trip. <laughs> it was indeed. It's very classy. Yeah, well, it was, that was the nice thing with first class. Because I was prepared to drink it from the bottle, but because <laughs> it was first class, there were some cups on the table. I believe the... Uh, they, don't, they don't have any brown bags? No. <sighs> Leeds United's corporate away trips are uh, aspiring to this standard. For, for first class train travel back, not necessarily on the way there, and they'll give you a cup for your wine. But that aside, it was a good game. In the end, most people were busy slagging off um, Rahubka again as our equaliser, <laughs> as our winner, sorry, went in. But it's one of those things that once, it, as it happened, you wouldn't change anything because it was so good. But um, it's a bit like Burnley away last year. We, we, we... Yeah, and, well, like, I suppose like any game where you come from behind uh, in the last minute. Indeed, well, it was proper end-to-end stuff. Another early goal, Keogh bagging that one. Uh, they replied, didn't they, halfway through the first half. Super Adam Clayton put us in front. They scored the, well, nearly last-minute equaliser, and then we scored deep, deep into Fergie time. <laughs> Wasn't that so sweet? First of all, good finish by O'Day. And secondly, Darren Ferguson's face in the after-match interviews, bordering on tears. <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't see the goal at all, really, because I was at the back of the terrace. And I just saw, I saw a ball hit the bar and then loads of jumping <laughs> was all that really you could see from uh, from the Leeds end. But yeah, the, the interview with... I'd read what he had to say on the way back, uh, but then to actually see it, to see his lip quivering, his chin was all all dimpled up, trying not to, trying not to weep. He said four minutes. Yeah. Four but minutes! Well, the thing is, it, it was timed out as well and it was something like a full 34 seconds over yeah. four minutes, wasn't it? So he actually didn't have, have a case at all. And given well, there was the old day challenge in there, which yeah. was, the play was down for about a minute and a half. But his his thinking was he should have been sent off for that anyway and which then he went bollocks. and scored the winner. So it just makes it better. Yeah. It's, he shouldn't it, have been sent off for that and it was perfectly within the allowed time. So fuck off, Ferguson. <laughs> I mean, that's the one thing with the, the, the Coventry game. They scored four minutes into injury time and I don't think anybody said well where did all that come from it was, it was more bloody hell we, let's take that keeper out and shoot him we're harsh to our own aren't we we're harsh yeah to there was no uh, whereas the Fergusons just like to blame everybody else yeah. it's just harsh on their dummies and, and wives <laughs> <laughs> right a couple more games to sneak in so let's move on um, Birmingham City 1-0 defeat Ugh. they got a lot of tall players that was their game plan he's yeah. a clever coach was it like Chris playing Eaton? the Harlem Globetrotters here or something yeah a lot of handballs, if that had been the case. They, um, and ironic that Zigic scored with a tapping and he's <laughs> nine foot ten or whatever he is. I drove down, actually, just going back to the Peterborough game, I was driving off on my holidays last week and I was driving down whilst the Peterborough... Was it, was it a nice holiday, by the way? It, it was It was a lovely holiday. Thanks. I actually picked up some Leeds United coasters from a very nice little bric-a-brac type shop in Ironbridge, which is just outside Telford. What have they got on them? Uh, it's old program covers from like the fifties and sixties. I'll bring them in next time we're about. Yeah. Um, Did you rest your laptop on them as you were doing the magazine all week? Yeah, I mean, family. My missus and the family—they tolerated me sitting in front of 
design programs on, on the computer for several days of our week-long holiday. So she hasn't kicked me out yet, which is a good thing. But anyway, yes, we had a lovely holiday. Driving down, Peterborough game was on, and I nearly swerved the car into the central reservation of the M6 celebrating the 3-2 late goal because I got very angry to the point where I probably said some words that my children shouldn't hear when we heard about the late equaliser. Flipping Leeds United this, flipping Leeds United that. And then the late winner went in and there was a little swerve, not a big one. It was enough to alarm my better half. She told me off. We pulled over at Nutsford Services. She told me off again. We fed the baby and moved on. But anyway, I was driving up to Sheffield for my evening's work whilst I was on holiday on Wednesday. And I had to listen to that Birmingham City match. Now, I knew we weren't going to win. I knew we weren't going to win. Oddie, you were there. Why weren't? Why didn't we win? Uh, they were better than us, slightly. We played quite well. We passed it around quite well. But they almost let us pass it around on the halfway line from wing to wing. And then we didn't really have the penetration. Stockgrass looked a little bit slow. We had no one down the left-hand side to get around the back of them. When Lloyd Sam came on, it looked a little bit livelier. Generally, just not quite there, I don't think. Did it ever feel like it was going to be there? Um, not really. Not once they scored, you didn't really see us coming back from it. We don't win games in hand, do we? No. So. What we talk going down was, oh, we could be second, win this, or we'll be second. Well, that's it. That's, and, that's it when people start getting lofty yeah. ambitions. Yeah. yeah, we don't do that. No. We don't do it. So. If you look the other way, if we lose this... We'll stay where we are. Let's just concentrate yeah. on that. It'd be, it'd be good to be where we started out this yeah. day. The, yeah. yeah, the slightly worse goal difference. <laughs> uh, right, on to the Sunday. Another televised game against Cardiff City. Plenty to talk about in this match. One all. Decent enough game, wasn't it? Should have won. I thought second half we were yeah. all over them. And their keeper kept pulling off unbelievable saves. Mm. Oh, we don't beat it? Cardiff, do we? So. Our, our defenders kept pulling off unbelievable mistakes. Which Yeah, Darren O'Dea. Yeah, as, as many people tweeted uh, as that went in. I, I think I inserted a few more um, swear words in the email I sent. Well, there's talk of concussion and eye problems, and if he was concussed or his eyes don't work, he probably shouldn't be playing. Is that fair to say? They said it was pretty um, much a rule of thumb that. Yeah, they said he was all right, but then he got another bang on the head, and that sent him. I can only imagine. I mean, maybe before he got the second bang on the head, he was actually he was like a superhero. One one bang on the head turned him into Franco Baresi, and then another bang on the head, and that was out like a cartoon. You could, but the bluebirds—they were definitely a, a twittering around his head <laughs> as he was uh, the, uh, failing to just. Um, I think it was somebody on Square Ball Forum. Well, he, he, I think he probably cleared the one he thought he could see. <laughs> bit worrying sign that we're struggling for goals a little bit now. Are we we're we hitting a bit of a dry spell. We, well, we scored three in the game before, well, two games before. but And we did have chances. On another day, some more of those would have gone in. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the, the lineup at the moment, it's got to be McCormack who scores because Andy Keogh doesn't score a lot of goals. He's like a one, one every six, and we've had that. So it's up to McCormack. And and he's never, I don't think in his career, been a, a one in every other game kind of guy. He's always like every three or four. So... Our strikers can't score. <laughs> and we shouldn't, we shouldn't be hanging around expecting them to. It's not their fault. McCormack did have that good season at Cardiff, didn't he? When he, what was it, 23? So he's done He's done one every other game before, but only mm. for once. somebody else. But we say that as about... We call it the Billy Painter yeah, scenario, yeah. exactly what I was going to say. Finally, in summary then, um, quick word about the crowd, only 20,000 there. Was that to be expected with the early kickoff and the TV appearance and all the rest of it? It was the perfect storm, really. You got the early kickoff, it's on telly, it's very expensive. If you weren't a member, you couldn't go on the cop. And lost then if, in midweek. If you were lost the, a few days before, and if you were, if you did 
even if you were a member and you thought, oh, actually, you know, I'll, I'll go on. If you want a ticket on the cop, you couldn't buy one because they stopped selling them two weeks ago. Um, and it's not, it's just not the recipe for a big crowd. And the weather was really, really bad. Yeah. Oh, it was off. Oh, it's terrible. And a lot of people are on holiday at the moment. You've got to take that into account. That's right, yeah. um, not everybody can I, I believe uh, can get down. El Nino may be swirling off the uh, Gulf Stream no, in I the Atlantic. He, so is that causing... I think he's just been left out of the squad for a while at the moment. <laughs> boom, boom. Um, plus the Cardiff hardly brought anybody and then half of them walked out because they were too disgusted by well, as, their treatment. As we, it's so. becoming a, a bit of a theme now, isn't it? Portsmouth, not happy about the prices and the... The treatment at Ellen Roads, Cardiff replicating that. There's the walkout. I mean, I mean that's a, that's almost unheard of that away fans just get to half time and just think, you know what, we're not going to be we're treated only like from Cardiff. It's not far. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go and stand in the car park and shout. And at least the um, Hesco Bastion compound that we were talking about last time has now got some use. It's contained <laughs> contained the away fans for the whole of the second half, which I don't think even even Sean Harvey when he was flicking through Hesco's catalogue and thinking, oh. Oh, it looks nice. We'll have one of them. Thoughts that it would get um, that kind of use. but um, Having had away fans in there for a second half, I expect we'll start selling tickets in there quite soon. <laughs> Restricted view. <laughs> Only £32 or something. Another thing we should mention is the West Yorkshire Police very kindly stopped all the Leeds fans coming through the Lowfields Tunnel to allow these three or four coaches of Cardiff fans. They had six in total, didn't they, I think? Did they? Three, um, I think they had 361 fans, of which around 100 walked out, didn't they? Something and there like were that. four police vehicles be- in front of it and five behind it, and all the police that were stood around the Lowfields end of Lowfields Road. It's not as over-policed and over-stewarded as the East Stand-Upper, which, against Coventry, <laughs> I could see around 20 people and about 10 security staff up there. I don't know if they're worried about suicide attempts or something from the upper tier, but it was very crowded up there and not many supporters. Right, well, let's pause... On that note, because we'll talk about the state of the crowds and the atmosphere and stuff in just a moment after this. Right then, let's talk about the crowd, the atmosphere, the lack of attendance at Ellen Road. It's become something of a hot topic on the forums and Twitter and so on this week. What do we all make of it? The drop in average attendances. We're now averaging about, is it 22, 23,000? Well, that's budgeted for. We're, we're, we're happy with that. What is it? I mean, the, the budget seems to move every blooming six well, We're not happy with it, but Ken is, because we were at averaging 27, 28,000 last season. It's one of the strangest things he said. I mean, he said many strange things about the falling attendances, but the, it's all right, we budgeted for less people to come. Why? Because we put their prices up, the people well, that do go. Why don't you just keep the prices how they were and budget for the same number of people to come? And, and have a slightly better atmosphere. Because I can only imagine if they say we revised the budgets to take into account that less people would be coming. I can only imagine that means the budget was revised downwards, meaning they were expecting to take less money. So why why charge more if you knew it would mean less people would come and it means that you're going to have to revise your budgets because you're going to have less income? That's what not mean, yeah. what anybody does. How, how I've got a great they? idea. We're going to price everybody out and then we'll have less money. It's all right, we'll budget for it. It seems like an odd, uh, it's an odd claim, doesn't it? it? It's probably not entirely representative of the truth, but if the hell bent on putting, how <laughs> dare you? <laughs> arguably, um, if so, they were basically hell bent on putting prices up anyway, and then expected not. As We've many had people. it too good for too long. It's about it's, it's about time we had expensive tickets and smaller crowds. And <laughs> it's not as if uh, it's not as if we're all on holiday and uh, escaping the, the terrible weather around here the reasons that Ken's 
put for um, falling attempts. There's one one that he, he did have right is that if we're um, if the t- team is successful in the second half of the season, more interest, perhaps bigger crowds for the second half of the season. But what if the team's not successful? I mean, he talks about not going down the um, Ridsdale route, but that's how Ridsdale used to budget. He just said, if we're really successful, we'll have loads of money. He says, well, you know, they'll all come at the end of the season when we're fighting for promotion. This as is long where as we are fighting for promotion. We've struck lucky the last few years because we've always been in contention and that means that the expensive season ticket prices are propped up still by decent um, people paying on the day. But when, when you've got quite a low season ticket base, which we have given our generally high average attendance, when you're still relying on ten to 15,000 people paying on the day, when they start to drop off and it becomes five or 6,000, then all of a sudden nothing adds up anymore. Casual fans aren't going to come rollicking through the turnstiles to say mid-table second division football for 36 quid. But we're not mid-table. We're, no, we're, we're, we're challenging. We're a, a playoff place. Are we, are we not challenging? We're challengers, aren't we? Yeah. What's wrong then? You know, if, if if we're doing slightly better than we thought we would, I mean, obviously, summer of discontent, failure to sign players, but we've got some more players in now, haven't we? We're pushing for a promotion. Why aren't people coming back? It's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but I, mean, <laughs> I am been, playing devil's advocate. So it's I mean, been, is it, yeah, but even for, for Coventry, it's a category C game. Twenty quid in the south stand, we still could fill that. The problem with it is, it's it's Coventry. It's it it's not just. I'm I'm sure we were saying similar last year that it's you still no matter how cheap that is, if it's twenty quid to see Coventry and then say twenty six for another game around the same time, you might say, well, I'll just go. I'll go and see the twenty six game, even though it's more expensive. You're getting. You feel like you're getting more value for the one game that you can afford to go to in that six-week period or whatever. We'll get beaten by a better team. Yes, true. Well, finally on this point then, just to uh, draw the threads together, I mean, is it not that there's a general disillusionment and and disenfranchisement, that's a big word, um, with the club and the way that it treats people, and in particular the chairman's notes and radio addresses, are, are they as important to people as we perhaps are suggesting? It doesn't help, certainly. If you if you're looking for a reason not to go, being called a moron sort of adds to it. It's not the, worst it's not the, it's thing not the whole thing. It's not the whole reason, but it just added to being a bit expensive. The kickoffs do move do get moved around, and Ken does have a point on this that when the kickoffs get moved, it does influence the attendance, particularly when we have quite a big out of town support. But yeah, just for everything I do, and I think now there's a perception that it's expensive, even when it's not. People think, oh, I can't afford to go to Leeds. So then, when the one category C game of the year does come round. People just don't go because they're not in the habit of going. And it's the sort of thing that, as you know, you go through stages of your life where you don't go as much and then you, you have other seasons where you go to every game because it, it becomes a way of life. And that's where um, other clubs seem to do something that we don't and that we, we may be, there seems to be a exception that Leeds United are kind of above this sort of thing, but someone like Derby, they spend, for every game, they'll whack out to either nurses or... Um, workers in a certain factory or people who work for whatever, there'll be a deal on where if you are, if you qualify for a certain criteria, you can get in for like 10 quid. And they'll do that regularly where there's always people in there who maybe wouldn't go every week, but they've made it that cheap and made the effort and said, you come here to this. Okay. But then, but it's, oh, it's funny when people yeah, dismiss it, that idea, don't they, and say, "Well, they don't come back the next week when the prices go up." And there's also a lot of people who say, "Well, I'm not getting in for ten quid, so why should they get? For, I come here every week. Why should other people get in for ten quid?" And it's kind of it's that's impossible. where we have a problem with our high season ticket price, though. 
because it doesn't allow the leeway. If if season t- our season tickets were 400 quid rather than 516 or whatever the early renewal was, people wouldn't look at one-offs and think, well, fucking hell, I'm getting ripped off here. But because that's so high, they can't really reduce things by a great deal because otherwise it just shafts the people who paid up front for a season ticket back in February or whenever the stupid bloody renewal forms go out. <laughs> and it just means that you're, you are then constantly, you're basically restricted to who you can actually get into Elland Road. Um, instead of opening it out across the city of Leeds, it is just reduced to this block of people who put up with how expensive it is and aren't really willing to have anybody else paying anything cheaper because then it will be revealed that they're getting ripped off. And then, so you've got that one core group and then you call them all more, well, you call a lot of them morons and then ban a section of them who aren't members from a from a match, even just for one game. I mean, that is not... Sure, they could just go and buy a ticket in the South Stand, but it's perfectly reasonable to say, I want to sit in the cup. And they say, we can't have a ticket in the cup. Fine, I won't come. Yeah. It's, and people will do it. They'll just say, well, I'm not... Okay, you want to treat me like that? That's fine. Yeah, and it's... and. And then, but there's nobody else you can turn to if you piss them off. Nobody else is going to come. So, well, maybe one day we'll get a chance to put this to the club and find out what's going on. Who knows? One, uh, one final thing I noticed at the Cardiff game: they announced the attendance at the end of the match rather than doing it on sixty minutes, which is the, as far as I'm aware, that what they've always done. Isn't that the cue for the Bates out chance? Though it is, and I, I, they've <laughs> just they just scooted it to the end of the game, and I, I wonder if they'll continue with that. I've, think- I've said for I've been saying for a few games, I imagine they'll stop announcing it but it seems rather than stop announcing it they've just pushed it to the bit of the game when Do you think there were really 20,600 people there? Not by the end Certainly not by by the time they announced the crowd Alright let's move on from that given that plenty of time I'm going home now I'm fucking miserable (laughs) (laughs) The atmosphere which which is it Russ Abbott or Joy Division we should do a poll Well we've we've broken with tradition in this section because we normally start with transfer news and there was a little bit obviously we're coming towards the end of the loan window but like a puppy returned to the shelter. We finally sent poor Billy off to go get some football. At Brighton, though, so it's not a, a huge step down by any stretch, is it? Some would say it's a step, step up. up. No, I mean, in, I mean, but they're just below us in, in the table. I meant same, obviously, same division. Good move, bad move. Gets him out of our hair. Come on, he's not that bad. He, well, he has been, to be fair. Yeah. He's not played well, but I think... Has he not just become the scapegoat? We'll see whether this is a man, man management issue as well now. With, yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, taking him on. Does it? Do you think he just needs to be loved? I think Grayson's probably. It's almost like he's loved him, and then because he's not bothered scoring or being very good, he's like fallen out of love with him. He was that miss at Southampton. Grayson at that point went, "Billy, pack your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough of this. Every week, just kick him in the knackers. I've tried to love him. Well, he's uh, he said it was a move predominantly for Painter, didn't he? Rather than one that was beneficial to the club. So. You know, fair dues to him for giving him an opportunity to go get some football. Well, means we're probably still paying all his wages then. <laughs> we haven't got a reserve team anymore, so there really is nothing for him to do. And he may as well go and do nothing at Brighton instead of <laughs> nothing at Leeds. Well, let's watch how it unfolds then and move on to Will Hatfield gone on loan to Accrington. Do we need to give this more than 10 seconds of airtime? Tom Lee's did well from it. We send a lot of play. It's it's um, Accrington, then then Berry. That's the, that's the way. I think he was at York last season, Will Hatfield, wasn't he? But he's getting to the point. I think he's... Although I think we did send Alan Martin to Accrington as well. And, yeah, and Barrow is always one. To send him. But Will Hatfield, I mean, he's what? He's, he's 28 now. So he's, <laughs> he's, he's probably... He's, it's about time he's showed ready to break potential. Through? <laughs> no, he's, he seems to... It's a name that's been around for a while. But um, yeah, we, he's obviously got something. Otherwise, uh, he'd be following Billy out the barn door. But 
see what happens. Follow Accrington's results. With, well, no, we're not going to follow Accrington's results. Well, it's uh, transfers out from the academy specifically that has kept us profitable, isn't it, in the last few years, which brings us sort of nicely onto the EPPP. What's that? Is it the Elite Player Performance Plan vote that took place with the Football League, where essentially, for want of a better word, the Premier League blackmailed the Football League into signing up to these new conditions for recruiting young players. Uh, Leeds voted against it, which is not surprising. To their credit? Yes, to their um, credit, absolutely, yeah. There was, I think there was only about five or six league clubs actually had the good sense to vote against this thing, and um, I'm glad we were on the right side of, of an argument for once. It was 20-odd, wasn't it, in total? I think, actually, the majority of which came from the bottom division and the few from the Championship. Yeah, that was it. There weren't many in the Championship, but we, we were, were one, one of them. them. If you want to read more about it, you can in the current issue of the Square Ball magazine. Yeah, we it, can't really argue. Joe Mewis has written that and we can't argue with his knowledge of kids' yeah, football. He's absolutely on the money there, yeah. Um, it's interesting and it means we could be getting less money for young players and we have nothing in our power to stop them leaving. So read all about it in the new issue of the Square Ball. In other news this last couple of weeks, uh, finally we found out where the Don Revy statue is going to be uh, around the ground and by the looks of the mocked-up photos, <laughs> it's going to be a bloody long way from Ellen Road <laughs> because it was pictured in what appeared to be a beautiful meadow. It looks lovely. I can't wait to have a, might have a picnic before games now. <laughs> Go down there. Down on Lowfields Road. Might take another yeah. bottle of red wine and a mug. <laughs> the statue looks good. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about the faceless people stood by it. It was is good to find out where it's going because... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There some talk it was going to be in town, which would have been uh, an interesting move because it, it, it is weird that there isn't more 
about Leeds United actually in Leeds, not even a shop selling a shirt, for example. Remember when they um, they used to have the, the club shop um, when they moved from Burton Arcade onto Albion Street and they had that l- tiny little museum in the in the basement. Do you ever go down there? They basically just had a couple of pennants in glass cases <laughs> oh, yeah. and yeah. then a, um, they were selling the retro shirts down there and then the ticket office. And it was, I just went in for a look once and, and one of the members of the staff was just like, what, what are you doing down here? There's somebody in the basement. <laughs> but the um, but yeah, so the fundraising for the, the Statue of Dawn has been going on for a while and it's um, it's good that the, the club seem to have got involved at this stage and, and found a, a place for it. And Once the money's all been found, they've gone, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we were going to give something to this, but... <sighs> oh, you cynical man. The only question is where, um, where Bremner's going to go because it's basically where Billy was due to be moved to um, when, if one day the hotel starts being built, that's where the statue of Bill was going to move I to. I think we should have, like, a big Roman parade of statues on the approach to the ground. Yes. It should be like a coliseum. We should have lions, not just a cop cat, actual lions. <laughs> it should be a terrifying place to come. I agree with you. because I And I'm not just talking about the West Standard Car Park <laughs> compound. There's a, a, mod, a fairly serious point in this, because the sort of the... The way Leeds United's heroes are treated over the years has been absolutely pathetic. Like, do you know where Don Revy Road is? It's, it's oh, I'm thinking John Charles Way is on an industrial estate. It's basically yeah. exactly the same, but it's the other side of... John Charles Way is on off um, Lowfields Road, and then Don Revy Way is off of... Um, it's, it's actually off Elland Road itself, but it's, it's, it's just... It's a cul-de-sac. Which with, is the one by Screwfix. Is that, uh, is that, that, is that that might the, be John Charles? That's the John Charles one. Yeah, yeah. a fitting tribute. And then if you look at, um, he loved Screwfix. Derby and Nottingham actually sorted out to call the main road between the two bloody towns, Brian Clough Way. You know, give Why him mile after mile of road. Sixty two called Don. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Charles Road. <laughs> but you know, we should be making a bit more of a, a bit more of a noise. And then, I mean, Paul Norman Hunter was uh, on the. Um, official site this week because they've named a suite after him on the level four development and he was just like oh you know it's gonna be it'll be fantastic for my children and my grandchildren to to come here to this corporate buffet and, <laughs> and realize that it was named after me and you know there should be things named after norman hunter and they should be considerably better than just a a, a, a room with fancy carpet yeah a yeah. plinth on the door of a this is going to be filled with people who don't even support leads anyway on a corporate jolly Enough of that ranting. Right. Um, <laughs> we look forward to seeing the statue and more statues. We want more statues yes. and lions in meadows. Yeah, oh, enough of that. Simon Grayson's been in the tabloids. Get up. Oh, dear. Should we not say anything about this? It's his It's his affair, literally. <laughs> was the worst kept secret in Leeds, pretty much? No comment. There was talk around, wasn't there, that something had gone on. I mean, it's funny when it happens to other teams' managers. I, I like the way that it's been in, he's been embraced by the Leeds fans for this, though. And that we've just been, just been cheering him on for it. His wife must be absolutely disgusted. We shouldn't laugh. We shouldn't laugh. There are probably children involved. Probably children involved. I, you couldn't really see his reaction at Peterborough to the, to the songs, but... What was the song, just for those who haven't heard it? They're basically saying he shags who he wants. He's Simon Grayson. He shags me once. Specific reference to uh, Mrs. Darren Ferguson as well, I believe. <laughs> Let's, it's probably worth not going there. No. Probably worth not going there. We hope everything's all right, Simon. 
Keep your mind on he the. He seems fine. Keep your mind on the job, son. Oh dear if me! If he gets him into work a little bit earlier, then it can only be for the club's benefit. And finally, then in this section, let's just wrap up something we dealt with last time um, about the BBC documentary. Audience figures for the documentary that was on BBC One in the Yorkshire region. We picked up on those, didn't we? Because Michael, you do this in the real world. So, what were the audience figures? Tell us the final scores on the doors. It was four hundred forty-two thousand, which so just in the Yorkshire region is not bad at all. Actually, it did it did held up quite well against Coronation Street. I know it. I know what I was watching, <laughs> and it wasn't your face. <laughs> <laughs> but it does kind of reinforce the point that we were saying about it taking this thing to a new audience because with the best will in the world, we don't get 442,000 people through the gates at Ellen Road in any given week. So it's taken the story to a new scale, I guess, hasn't it? Yes, it's no wonder Ken was mildly perturbed for seven minutes on Yorkshire Radio. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. It's Halloween. (laughs) It's that ghoulies I see. Pardon me. <laughs> um, ghoulies. So we're recording this whilst there are probably children up and down the land banging on the doors of their neighbours, begging... Trying to get out. <laughs> begging for money and sweets and so on. We're here doing this for you, so I hope you're happy. Um, it would be remiss of us not to talk about horror shows, wouldn't it? After Darren... Well, Darren O'Dea's boo-boo, shall it's, we say. I think sort of one of the more... Ex- I mean, if the, if the true story is the true story, then it's quite exceptional that your player went blind and couldn't clear a football and then that's why we conceded goal. I've not heard of such things before of a player actually being maybe it was uh, are we sure it was concussion and not the gypsy curse? Well we are a club that is synonymous with superstition and mystery when we talk about the gypsy curse and urinating in the four corners of Ellen Road to lift said gypsy curse which I'm not convinced has gone yet. Well I once urinated in two corners of my mate's what? housemate's bedroom <laughs> and uh, and um, I I could check but I'm fairly sure that that room is not cursed now whether it was cursed before you didn't strike me as a fan of water sports neither I wasn't aware of myself until uh, until yes I was yelled at for uh, pissing in his cupboard but um, never never actually met the guy whose room that was but <laughs> But you left your calling card anyway. <laughs> yes, I, I marked my territory. Ah, the, the rich smell of ammonia. <laughs> okay, horror shows. There have been quite a few in our history, some more notable than others. Any you would care to recall in particular? Uh, Carlton Palmer was quite nightmarish. He was, wasn't he? I don't think there was ever a bigger insult than us basically trading David Batty, homegrown hero, son of Leeds, for pretty much the same amount of money and getting Carlton Palmer in return. And then, we had, and then we kept him for years. It, it took George Graham, I mean, that was the one of the few things he did, was take one look at Carlton Palmer and go, fuck off, <laughs> um, which is a move I always basically supported because, yeah, he was just constantly in our team. And just... He was never, I don't think he was ever that bad, was he? But I always just think he did all right at centre-back. When he was in central midfield, though, he was well out of his depth. You think? I always, th- I always thought he looked, because he was kind of, could win headers and he had, legs that could stretch around corners a bit to, to clear the ball but when he actually had to like go, you need to go forward with it Carlton he could, to... could go at a fair pace with those yeah. legs just striding I can remember scoring a goal against Aston Villa and he cracked it from the edge of the box did he get many? can't remember no I don't think God. so well he scored that one um, 
in the famous Wimbledon Yeboah game when um, the fourth goal that was scored that day was a fantastic goal, long range strike from Carlton Palmer, but then Tony Yeboah shot him out. It was really done. But yeah, and Palmer, I suppose he took over the, well, he was supposed to take over the frightening um, midfield duties from David Batty, but it just became more. He got his shirt number as well. He got his shirt number. Billy Bremner's shirt number. Yeah. And John Styles's. Um <laughs> And then Batty had his own... There's, um, in the Tony DiRigo interview that is in the new square ball that Oddie did, the bit that stood out to me is um, Tony was talking about the 91-92 team. He said that Gary McAllister used to talk a lot, organise everything. David Batty would just get on the pitch and he'd just go straight through one of the opposing midfielders and just get up walk away, not say anything, then a minute later, just bang straight through another player, get up, not say a word to it, not say a word to teammate nor foe, no, and just the silent... Destroyer. Just, yeah, just this silent, violent man. And um, David Batty has been on my mind because uh, this, the video has cropped up on YouTube of just of David Batty's bits in the Makita tournament from 1992, pre-season friendly when we were champions of England. Played Sam against. Do- was it Mancini? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Sampdoria Mancini. And if you've not watched it, it's, it's absolutely brilliant because Mancini starts, uh, he gets angry in a very Italian way. And, was it lots uh, of being on your knees, giving it the prayer gestures? Tutti frutti, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mario, Luigi. We already lost our Honduran audience. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, and then he puts, um, he puts all some, Batty puts one of Sampdoria's players in the front row of the West End and... Um, and then it all kicks off. And then Howard Wilkinson gets incredibly angry. In a very and, northern way. Yeah, I've never actually seen him like that because the referee, if you if you do go and find this on YouTube, Trevor Francis is commentating on it. Ignore him because he didn't know what he's talking about. He thinks that Howard Wilkinson was complaining that David Batty hadn't been sent off. Mm-hmm. Think about it, Trevor. Um, in what uh, Howard Wilkinson was actually complaining about was the referee had tried to force Howard to substitute Batty because he's like, look, Hey guys, this is a pre-season friendly, and uh, this Yorkshire Terrier that you you brought onto the pitch appears to be upsetting a few people. And um, and Wilkinson's not having it. Um, even Mick Hennigan at one point seems to be going, "Boss is a little losing a bit a bit of control." And yeah, and throughout it all, David Batty is just striding around and he's running his hands through his. Uh, this is when he had hair um, and laughing with uh, Gary McAllister, um, and then just going and just trying to maim another. We last with McAllister just after two of them tried to take him out and break his legs. I think. Yeah, I think he's, he's just got up and laughed and winked at Macca. It's it's wonderful to watch, and that well, he he could be a genuinely when he, Batty and Jones in the same midfield, <laughs> and then it's like oh they well, last two minutes in the modern game, would they? Batty can't make it this afternoon, so uh, Chris Kamara might have to play. <laughs> <laughs> and we replaced all that with Carlton Bloody Palmer. To be fair, Palmer was tainted by that um, Graham Taylor. England, do I not like that documentary, wasn't he? It was just around that era of England being really bad and he was almost synonymous with Taylor's... Can we not knock it? Exactly, yeah. Tell your friend, (laughs) tell your friend the referee... Tell him, Les. Hit Les! Hit Les! (laughs) (laughs) And the the (coughs) thing with his formations then, we was playing David Batty at right back and Carlton Palmer in midfield. And then we did it to ourselves. Oh, it's just... And that um, bloody, was it Betfred advert? Or, well, other betting companies are available where Carlton Palmer appears out of a bathtub. Yeah, it's all a bit sinister. I mean, I, I can't help but think about Carlton Palmer now and the fact that he was convicted for indecent assault in 1997, wasn't he? Yes. Not our finest hour. No. We've I had mean, a few. Probably for legal a few, reasons. A few indecent assaults. <laughs> no. Should we say... Was there a drink driving charge? 
Does all sorts of stuff, basically. Bit of a well, we don't care for him. Well, since we've been mentioning Batty, I want to recall 1987 as a brilliant season for Leeds United, but it was also a horror show in a way that it ended as well with the the cruel, cruel FA Cup semi final defeat. I still haven't got over why Brendan Ormsby didn't put that into touch. It still upsets me now, uh, many years later. And tonight's special guest, (laughs) Brendan. Why don't you clear it, Brendan? Just clear it! See, the oh. thing is, I don't think there would be any... You wouldn't balk at telling him to his face. Oh, I think he's he, he's admitted, hasn't he, in recent interviews that he still wonders why and... Anyway. Why you keep mentioning it. Yes. Everyone drags <laughs> this up all the time. And also, the playoff final defeat, again, going back to Birmingham away, that was awful. That was soul-crushingly awful after Sheridan, magnificent, smooth, silky Sheridan, put us 1-0 up and we were going up. We were beating Charlton after three games. And then bloody shirtlift twice. That was... Um, that was my birthday, by the way. That was on my birthday. It was a Friday night. It was my birthday. And I was nine years old and they ruined my birthday. The thing with, the thing with that, though, that was um, horror, but leavened with a little bit of positivity with the, the hope. The tr- there was the true, just absolutely nothing of any good came from um, relegation to Division 3, or at least on the day that it happened, the Ipswich game, which is the most awful I felt. And it was, it just kept getting worse and worse. You were expecting Halloween style of wailing banshees to just appear. You know when, um, is it in, um, which is the horror film, when there's a gremlin on the wing of the aeroplane? You know, you've seen it in on, in the cinema. In 1974, <laughs> or ever it came, I can't remember. Somebody will remember, but you know when the, the this gremlin appears on the wing of the aeroplane, it's a Stephen King one, I'm sure. And then and then the you know the people on board, they'll see it ripping the plane to shreds, and they know it's going to crash. That's how the Ipswich game felt. The one I immediately thought of was from that season as well, but it was still early season when there was plenty of time to salvage it. But I just thought we're not gonna. It was the first moment I actually thought in that year, we're crap. We're we're absolutely <laughs> crappy. It was when we lost four um, nil to Stoke at home, and this wasn't the Stoke we see now. That are actually quite a decent side. I think Pulis was there, but they were they were down in the bottom five or six as well, and they beat us four nil at home, and we we were awful. Deserved to lose by yeah. more. I, I looked. I had to look it up. Some of the players we had. Alan Wright played. That day. He's the one who's always forgotten that that happened. Was Maybe that the one? Did he play just the one game? Yeah. yeah. And that was it. Famous yeah. five foot one fullback. Westlake, Butler, Horsfield, John Carver was in charge. And it was just, we missed a penalty, which would have made it 3 1, and it made no difference. But it just it just summed up the night that we couldn't even score a fucking penalty with five minutes to go. <laughs> Two things on that. I was took my Stokey mate to that game as well, which was made it doubly hard for me to sit through because he had a thoroughly good day out. And you just mentioned Westlake, and I remember, strangely, an item on Newsround, I think it was, when he was just going through the ranks at Ipswich, because he was a really good swimmer, and he was like Olympic standard swimming, and he chose football over swimming, which is funny. Suppose he must have been shit at swimming then. <laughs> There's probably not much money in swimming. He probably doesn't regret his decision. Uh, but we, we regret his decision. But yeah. we'd only just signed him, he'd not been with us long, and I think, he's, well, someone obviously rated him fairly highly hey, at some stage. We'll always have Oldham. We'll always have older me and Westy. What it was was uh, him instead of Neil Lennon's sell-on clause, which we allowed Spurs to buy. Aaron, Aaron Lennon. Lennon. What did I say? Neil Lennon. <laughs> Neil Lennon. We never, we never owned Neil Lennon. <laughs> and yet we had a sell-on clause. <laughs> Ritzdale was a genius. <laughs> My nightmares would have been um, Wembley-based. 
Yeah. Was it? I thought Lethal. it was going to be the West End burning down. <laughs> <laughs> that day when I knew that made those illegal payments to those players. <laughs> Set up saying anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sell God. You go and carry on. Come on, You're <laughs> Wembley, you the White Horse final. <laughs> uh, Wembley '96 for the League Cup final and the playoff final against Doncaster. Just when you've got a little bit of hope, the dash you could just crush your heart. It could be there. It's in touching distance, and then nah. Think about the. 96 one was it was dark as well it probably wasn't but in my memory watching it just I remember it being dark dark cloudy it's a beautiful sunny April day if I remember (laughs) and then why did it look so dark it felt dark it was dark it was it was it was a particularly bad day was that particularly bad day if only Brolin had played it could have been so different well he actually was somebody I shortlisted my own mind for this Halloween horrors little feature uh, and I'm considering doing a YOY feature for the mag as well, and Brolin's going to have to be in it because we spent four and a half million quid on him. And he wasn't that bad, but he was rubbish. <sighs> it was poorly handled, I think, as well as being poorly sized for a footballer. <laughs> but it's, it is worth considering that no matter how bad and how ugly things get at Ellen Road, there's always somebody worse off than us. It was when um, the late 90s we used to have Halloween twice a year, once on 31st of October... And once when Luke Chadwick used to get brought on a substitute for scum. Were Chadwick and Hopkin ever on the same pitch? I think they might have been, you know. Christ. Bloody hell, there's no sweets for the kiddies that night. <laughs> he sorted himself out a bit as Chadwick. He's obviously uh, he's paid for some new teeth putting in and he's, he's almost unrecognisable. Have you seen the film Face Off? That's Yeah, that's kind of what he's gone for. Although his career went downhill when he became... More beautiful. More beautiful. <laughs> So maybe that was like the only thing preventing the tight man marking, which is vital for a winger. Worried his pus-filled face might explode onto them. I do remember when Ryan Giggs came through the ranks uh Man United and we were singing to him, there's only one spotty virgin. That looks quite ironic looking back now, doesn't it, after his recent antics. Poor man's Grayson. On the way across the next fortnight then, we are taking on Blackpool this week, this midweek. Ken Bates, Dream Club, Simon Grayson's old club. They're playing orange. They've got Stephen Craney. Let's talk about that. It's going to be nice to have Stephen Craney back in tales about tales of playing in the Premier League. <laughs> Amazingly. I look forward to when Max Gradle... Oh, no. <laughs> Danny Pugh could probably get past Craney without too much bother. Snoddy should be able to tear him a new one, in theory. Mm, in theory. We'll see. A theoretical but, new well, one. We are playing under the illuminations, aren't we? So, uh, who knows? Well, um, Kevin Phillips is going to score. Yeah, he always does, doesn't he? But isn't he about Oddie's age now? It doesn't matter. His age has not dimmed his his faculties. Arrogant leads hating light. Oh, I've always hated Phil. It was um, when he played for Sunderland, he scored a penalty at the cop end and he he was doing this really sneaky, kind of, he was waiting till the referee wasn't looking and then cupping his ear at the cop. And it, was, it really wound me up that he was waiting until the referee wasn't looking like a snide snivelling little... Sniveller. Malcolm. Yeah. And he was nothing without Michael Bridges, even if I'm not sure they ever played together, but anyhow. And always nice to play against Holloway, one of the game's characters. Mad as a box of frogs, isn't he? Old Holly Holloway. Well, that's the that's the character he likes to present. Well, I quite like the idea of, uh, of what he did in that he used to be quite a, an old school, long ball type of manager, wasn't he? And he got fired from a job and went away and 
I think he went around various academies and training grounds, didn't he, around Europe? And he just came back and he revised his vision and tried to make them play decent football, which I kind of admire that a manager is prepared to say, well, you know what, maybe this isn't right and I'm going to go away and learn. Didn't Kevin way. Blackwell do that? One of, the most, one of the most qualified coaches in Europe. Yeah, didn't Blackwell spend like his part of his reputation was, oh, he's been to, he's been to Ajax and he's, he's seen how their reserve teams are. <laughs> seen, I've, seen, I've seen Messi play. Doesn't mean I'm a good footballer. <laughs> but um, I mean, if we do, if we we broke Darren Ferguson's heart last week, so I dread to think what we might do to Holloway if we win. Grayson seems to have quietly mastered that art of upsetting opposing managers just by not doing very much to of specific nature. But he's he's going lisping into the night while they're left spluttering and fuming on, on the cameras. I'm quite liking that theme of the uh, of the season. They've lost their last two, so they're um, due a victory. Win. <laughs> oh, worth cynic- mentioning cynicism that- podcast. <laughs> worth mentioning they do have another uh, son of scum in their lineup, an Ince. Yeah, they do. Oh, oh is it Ince's yeah. kid? Yeah, it's indeed. It's Governor Junior. <laughs> I wonder if he's given himself that nickname as well. Maybe he's just prison officer. Who knows? They've got uh, the uh, the weak armed Brett Omerod as well. So, <laughs> so we know that that's got to be Tom Lee's job is just like give him a shove in the back and make sure he falls on his arm because he'll snap like a twig. And they also have pretend teenager John Joe Shelby. <laughs> He's the oldest looking youth player <laughs> anyone's ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I remember John Joe Shelby when he used to present the Crystal Maze. Um, <laughs> I just remember seeing it when we were in League One and someone said, oh, they've got a good youngster in midfield. Uh, like which one? No, 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 no. He's on the bench. That's not him. Look at him. He's about forty. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried about Blackpool because Ollie will get them up for it, and they, they could probably. I mean, they've got Barry Ferguson who can pass a ball around. So Clayton can probably handle both Ferguson and Southern, but Housen needs to have a good game in this one. Okay, that's that game. It's a tough one to call. I think. See, win. see what happens. Are we going to win this one again? I think we might. We're on a decentish run at home, aren't we? We're on beating, is it what, six now? We are actually playing quite well. We should have beaten Cardiff, which we've not looked like doing in, well, ever, as far as I can remember. <laughs> we should have beaten Coventry. Shoulda, woulda, coulda are the last words Indeed. of a fall. Um, <laughs> one of those fairly bigger fixtures, I would say, in this division. It should be a Premier League match. That's com- what they'll be telling coming us. Coming up, is this on the telly again? Are we on the telly again? I'm not sure. Leicester. It's Sunday, three o'clock. Anyway, Sunday kickoff against Leicester away. So many factors to look at. Simon Grayson, obviously, they've been sniffing around a little bit, seeing as they haven't got a manager. Just fired Sven, so they'll be uh, on form, no doubt. Beckford, Money, Casper. Keegan's going to have them fired up. Yeah, they'll play 10 men up front. So will we. It'd be quite good to see Leicester fail, wouldn't it? It'd be quite funny. Mm. I don't hate them, but it'd be just quite funny. They've done them. They've never up to about thirteenth place in the at the final season. They've never done anything to deserve any sort of success, so I don't see why they should have it. Agreed. And uh, instead, they're just making do with Casper Schmeichel coming back, Beckford coming back. It'll be nice to see Jermaine Casper. Will mm. he get a good reception? Interesting. I hope so. Mixed, I think. Mixed. Some I, people always hated him. Yeah. Even he didn't get a good reception in <laughs> some of the Leeds games when he played for us. So no. I think people will have uh, forgiven him. Casper's going to get a. Well, it's away, but Casper's going to get bad reception. He, he's not the type to get wound up, though, is he? No. <laughs> Bore off! Well, it's actually true. People will seek to try and wind him up, I and think, probably. So yes. we should. It's he's, not difficult. Because he's a bloody liability. We should all be on Twitter just saying, I've heard you're not very good. I am good! 
What, what, what do you, you know about goalkeeping? That's my dad. Why are you so bad when your dad was, you know, average? <laughs> it's a good work getting Sven Joran Eriksson sacked. Who are you going to see off next? We're going to win this game, you know. We're going to go down there and we are going to win this game. You think? Beckford won't score. Kevin Phillips will score. Beckford won't score. I might put money on this. I'm not going to put We've totally jinxed, jinxed it now, but I don't know. We, we, again, funny feeling like I did about against Brighton. I think we, we could put in a good one. Yeah, you said where you, where you said we would win. Oh, come on. It, it, it nearly went to plan and they should have done. So, yeah, watch out for that. Should have, would have, could have. We won't win. So we don't beat less. I it's mean, just, there's got to. It depends if if O'Day has recovered from his lobotomy by in time. Because if it's going to be um, Kisnorbo against Vassell and Beckford, worth mentioning, they do have, as well as Beckford. They have a couple of superb England strikers in uh, Vassell and Nugent. <laughs> it is both a of dream. them have scored international goals. Nugent's from all of about three inches, I think, in the friendly. But they all count. Pedigree. Hey, you can't take that England goal. It'll be in the record box. Record box? <laughs> Books. We got your vinyl. It'll be in the record books. You can't take that away from him. So no doubt they'll give us a spanking after that positive prediction. And the, Lee, Lee Peltier, because he played Fordersfield, will probably score just to annoy us. What do we fancy out of these two games? Six points? Quite fancy six points. That sounds yeah, good. I'd fancy yeah. six points, yeah. I would, Easy. I would. Easy, yeah. right, six points. Russell's paper moves that out of the way. Is that it for these two games, this fortnight? Is yeah. it just two games? How many more do you want? Oh, well, we normally have three or four. Right, villain of the fortnight. The Ken Bates villain of the fortnight. Fortnightly award for somebody who's contributed to the misery of being a Leeds United fan. Uh, nominations this fortnight then, gents. Rahubka. Rahubka, is, is he in there, is he? Chubby Rahubka. Ken Bates, of course, always gets What are we nominating Ken for awards. this time? Have uh, we, have we... Ken, this time I think it's got to be all the uh, brouhaha surrounding just trying to get a ticket for the Cardiff game. Can't sit there, sit over there, sit down. Where are all the away fans going? Empty seats in the cop. Yeah, a half-empty cop has got to be laid at uh, Ken Bates' door for this fortnight. Okay. It seemed quite full to me, I'll be honest. In there, but I Not don't know. The bottom tier blocks of yeah. seats empty. Mm-hmm. All right, it's good enough. We need to be nominated for something. For, for trying to steal an island off people in the <laughs> 1960s. For full details on that, see the current issue of the Square Ball magazine. Yes, right, yes. Uh, cracking on with that. Who else do we want to nominate then in this? The West Midlands Police. West Midlands Police, okay. Yes. What have they done to you? Uh, they held quite a few Leeds fans back. In fact, all Leeds fans back. Uh, they're they're known for their customer-focused approach, I find. <laughs> <laughs> they focus on the customer and then make their life hell. Yes, pretty much. With your own safety. Uh, apparently. This was. But they did thank us for our patience and uh, good behaviour. Well, they didn't, had an option. Did yeah. they put you on a concrete ramp? It was uh, the concourse leading out of the out of the stand. They closed the doors in the stand so we couldn't get out until the Leeds fans started kicking it in. So they let us out. Think, and then we all thought... <laughs> thank you oh. for your good behaviour. <laughs> thought, oh, five minutes, that wasn't too bad. Uh, and then we were onto the concourse, which led up to a, to the main gates to get out. And then everybody just piled into the gates, which were locked. So the police that were stood at the side, trying to keep everybody in check, were squashed up against the wall because everybody <laughs> piled to the front of the gates. I've got a fourth nomination that I want to put forward. You, Moscow White. Me? For not being here yesterday when we rocked up in the mystery machine and we sat outside for half an hour. Long. We were about an hour in total, wasn't well, it? You, yeah. were, you were your normal half hour late, so... I'd actually have been disappointed if you'd only waited half an hour. I'm worth more than that. <laughs> yeah. we actually, so yeah. Me and I'll do here for about half an hour. Then you turned up, we waited about another half hour. Then we're outside your house for about 10 minutes. I think there's about five or 10 minutes of crying. And then headed back for another 20 minutes thinking, oh, he might have... He'll he'll, he'll pick his phone up and he'll come, won't he? Of course he'll come. As soon as he can, nothing, nothing. I think we found a winner. 
<laughs> so with the nominations for this fortnight, Rahubka, Ken Bates, as always, the West Midlands Police, and Moscow White. Gents, who do you want to give it to? Moscow. I'm sticking with Rahubka. He's pissed me off. <laughs> I wish he was better. I know I'm, it's not his fault. But... I'm with Michael. Rahubka, definitely. Tactical. Oh, no. controversial. Do I get some sort of casting vote in this? It looks if, that way. Simon Cowell, you... Ken, no, oh, police, no. Go on now, we'll go for Rahubka. It's not his fault, but it is. Just be better. <laughs> Just be better at your job. At least job. he turned up. Yeah, that's true. It's a fair point. Right, on to any other business. We can't leave. I mean, we are in a radio station, and would radio stations be what they are without Jimmy Savile's life, career, eccentric life, eccentric career? Um, I've never run a marathon, um, but would we have? Would we even have marathons? Maybe he he went back to ancient Greece, Greece and uh, established all. We well, did. He did a lot, and he lived a ripe old age. And bloody hell, he's always been around, and now he isn't anymore. So Jimmy Savile. Rest in peace. Now then, now then. He's not going to rest in peace. He's going to be causing all Party kinds up. of trouble, isn't I should he? also mention that in my other life, he was somebody who invented the twin turntable set, wasn't he? He almost invented modern DJing as we know it. So um, nod to you, Sir James, for giving me a career path, I think is the right turn of phrase here. And that was the a- iPod shuffle came along and you've <laughs> thrown it all away. The skill's lost. Hey, nice to see the 91-92 team all back together as well at the dinner at Ellen Road. Chris Fairclough what a- s- still looks 10. Benjamin Button. Yeah, he is. He's getting younger, that man. <laughs> Cal Shutt. Mm. Head and neck like a, like a thumb. A thumb in a shirt. <laughs> if you want to find Carl and give him a hello, is he still working at the Thomas Cook in the Meadow, Meadow Hall shopping complex? No idea. We haven't checked, we haven't checked up on him lately. But we'll uh, we'll hunt him down to find out what he's up to. We'll head in the uh, mystery machine down to Meadowhall tomorrow. <laughs> we got more uh, more chocolate today as well. Yes, um, thanks to Sarah Morris, Sazzy BM on Twitter, who I met down at the Birmingham as well, and yesterday very kindly brought some chocolates to the podcast. That's very generous. Thank you, Sarah. We did Thank eat most of them yesterday as well. When we were yes. waiting for Moscow, while yeah, there. I got a few. I'm not convinced they hadn't already been licked. But that didn't detract from the It's my the enjoyment. anthrax we injected into them that you want to watch out for. <laughs> Punishment. Um, finally then, issue four of the magazine, we mentioned at the top of the podcast, cover stories, interview with Tony Dorigo from that 91-92 title win inside. Finest fullback before A.D. White. We've not actually mentioned A.D. White in this podcast at all, and I'll, I'll stick that into any other business. He's dead good. Final ball needs work. He's so quick though. Good, He's, good it, and getting better. Yeah. You can see yeah. the panic on people's faces as he's, as he's bombing forward. No one's been able to catch him yet. I haven't seen that kind of panic on defenders' faces since Luke Chadwick played. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's looking good. It's good, yeah. Um, El Blanco. When he secures his move to Real Madrid soon. No. Um, so we've got the interview with Tony Dorigo and we have the epic in there from you, Moscow White, the story of Noel Lloyd, <laughs> the guy who led the resistance in the British Virgin Islands when Ken tried to build some stuff. Yeah. And in, there's all sorts of... In the late 1960s. And we've got um, Appreciation of Adam Clayton by um, Steve Firth, who, if you if you think you've ever read a, a love letter to a midfielder before, you ain't yet. Um, and Sven predicts the future, Mystic Sven, and all the match reports and all kinds of brilliant stuff. Oh, and Andy P., um, drunkenly going on about uh, situationism. <laughs> oh, that's all you need to know. Beyond me, I've read it. I don't still quite get it, but it's a very, very good and very entertaining article. You can buy it at the Blackpool game. Should sell out, I would imagine. And you can get it online as well, digital or paper copy. Uh, go to the squareball.net, locate the shop, and buy, buy, buy. 
That's all we can say. Also, loads of other bits and bobs on the site, including the blog. You can find that at thesquareball.net. Too. We would like you to get in touch with us as well. Let us know what's been going on in your Leeds United life. Podcast at thesquareball.net via email. You can also grab us on Facebook and Twitter. And with all that said and done, let's go out into the witching hour. It's Halloween. Ooh, it's ten to nine. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> From me uh, and Michael. See you later. And <laughs> Moscow White. Yeah, bye. And Oddy. See ya. We'll be back in a fortnight. Enjoy yourselves. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.